On this episode of Penny's Going In Raw, we give out the pre-option rundown, and we also go over some EVFM and the SPAC attack that we saw. Let's go. Hey, yo, check one, two. This is Flavor Flav in the building for the Atlas crew. Atlas trading, what the fuck is up? They're traders, they're prodigies, and then there's legends. Rob, 4%, baby. No way. 4% fucking percent. by the fucking dick. Hey, who told me about IDEX? Like, dude, what the fuck? Like, someone just made, like, a lot more money than me on my trade. You find out, likes this game of pennies. Did you check the portfolio? Pennies. 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 The margin for error is so small. I bet Warren Buffett never did that. And they out here making money right now off of penny stocks. The two guys is putting their work to make y'all rich. The pennies we need are everywhere around us. Time to think big. Pennies going in raw. Featuring Dan, Deity It Dips, and Hugh Honey. Produced by Vinny Strokes, baby. Welcome to the Penny Stock Podcast presented by The Blazing Chronicle. Today is Wednesday, September the 9th, and hey man, uh, it looks like the market is slightly recovering. It's getting a little bit better for the pennies, huh? Yeah, dude. It really has been better than... um. You know, I mean, the pennies down are down, what, 50% across the board this month? Yeah, I, I mean, I was looking, I saw a mark under a dollar, and I mean, there, there's just so many things that uh, you just see just going crazy. Yeah, mark underneath a dollar, Expo went from $4 to a dollar. Yeah, XSPA is around a dollar seventy five ish right now. I mean, there's so just so many things, and it, it I mean, I, I don't want to jinx it, but uh, it's looking like a hot October. Yeah, exactly. I really we I tweeted about this last night, but um, I had taken about three weeks off from pennies and was doing mostly just options and just you know really taking some time off. And last night was the first time that I had really started to look back at some of our favorites, and it was really encouraging to see everything down fifty, sixty percent. Now, if you held through that, then you know, then then that's not encouraging. But um, but I do think that we're starting to see that light at the end of the tunnel. I would like to see. The rest of the week, I would maybe like to see some consolidation in most of Pennyland. And then from there, I really think that we have some great opportunities. Um, I mean, I think Vissel, even though they did a reverse split, I think their pre-split price would be like $0.12 cents right now or something. It, does that sound right? Yeah, I think it's uh, 13 If it was a 1 to 10 split, it's thirty right now. Yeah, that's just – yeah, so I mean there's some great opportunities out there for us in the coming weeks and I would love to start to get back into the rotation, put some serious cash on the board. I don't think I've had more than 50% of my portfolio um, on the street since May and so I'm really excited to get back into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to see some bigger gains and hopefully not as big losses, man. Uh, yeah, and just, just looking at a lot of these things, it's like they were the price that they were in March, and that's what really gets me excited about, you know, end of September, getting into October. And you see things like SCON, uh voted no to a reverse split or denied it, vetoed it, whatever, and it ran 100% today. Uh, that sucks for me. I, I did sell it last week. But, yeah, do you see some things are really starting to run off of just, like, just people wanting things to run? Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, with the Tesla and Apple hype gone, and now that we're past Labor Day, the official end of summer trading or the, unoffic- excuse me, unofficial end of summer trading, you know, 
um, hedge fund managers come back. You know, we really start to see some of that volume. You know, now that everything, now that all these companies have were super overextended, they did their offerings, they did their reverse splits. You know, now that they're beat down, now they're now they went from being way overvalued to now undervalued. So things that went down fifty percent, like GHSI and Expa XSPA, you know, that thing's down like seventy percent now. If they just go back to half of where they were, that's a fifty percent move. So I think you know, and then on top of that, we have FDA catalysts that come back. We have phase three trials that started in March that should be finishing up if they're six month trials. So there's a lot going on that I think that you know, in the com- like I said l- last night, we're not going to rush anything, but I think that we definitely have a huge opportunity um, knocking on our door in the coming weeks to really get some gains. And la- and looking at it last night um, was really encouraging. Yeah. Uh, and another thing that has been popping off that I know a lot of people are interested in is SPAC, S-P-A-Q. Even the sector, and it's hard to put this into words because the sector is basically called SPAC and the stock itself is called SPAC. So we do have to, you know, not confuse everyone. But at the same time, yeah, that, that one's had some interesting moves and it, it's always fun because it seems like, you know, it'll pop up a whole lot and uh, it won't maintain the gains, but the very, you know, right after it loses those gains, it seems to, it just seems to just be like a fantastic dip opportunity that just bounces right back after. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing with SPAC, uh, you know, of course, we're talking about the ticker SPAQ, is that <clears throat> we know it's going to run. We knew it was going to run. And as it gets closer to that merger day, I think we'll continue to start to see those pops until we really see a nice run up. And I think right now, um, I, to me, it looks like, around the 17 mark that once we break that 17 mark you know we could easily see 22 25 and so i think that especially in the market that we're in right now to see that around the 15 mark um when it was at 11 not too long ago is really encouraging and i think i think it's every time that we see it go from 15 down to like 1390 to 15 down to 1390 i think i i can i think of it like a volcano that's just getting ready to erupt and that when it finally does that we will see you know that huge gain you know i mean if if you got in at 11 you know if you were smart and average down i mean you're already up what 42 percent or something so i mean you know to, i think that we see 22 25 and so i mean that's an easy 100 percent gainer in in a slow market and and you need to take take them don't take them for granted i mean you don't see these out here that often and you just got to take them where they are and and you know take the gains and and but with that it just seems like it's a, it's a steady rise and we actually i i emailed about the podcast and they responded and said you know well it's an intense couple weeks so you know maybe they got some intensity up there that's going to excite us as well you know i think i'd rather their stock hit 35 dollars than have them on the podcast i'll be honest <laughs> definitely for sure and, and and yeah so i mean really this thing has this thing has some range um i think that spac has some serious range i think that if the stars align with the penny market coming back and the merger comes at the right time and maybe, you know, Fisker, you know, announces something big along with the merger. You know, I mean, th- this thing could really run, run wild. Yeah, man. Uh, excited to see what that has got in store for us. Um, Another thing uh, was EVFM. Fexi was announced, went down from around, what was it, around 368, 370. You know, it had a nice pop. I think last week you either said, you know, 320 was like your hard, okay, fuck this, but 350 was where you were starting to, you know, get a little worried. You're going to play it safe around there. I actually made sure I got out, you know, rise at 350 broke uh, a good bit of it. 
but could you kind of like go over what you thought about that whole thing? I mean, you know, it was it was either going to go up or down with it, and it turned out to be a sell the news thing, and you had a plan. How did that work for you? Yeah, so I mean, we always try and have a plan for, for all sides, but that usually doesn't happen. In this case, it almost followed our backup plan to a T. Um, you know, I mean, we were, we were in a crappy market. Um, I was pounding the table for like a month that 350 was that pivot point and that we needed over that 350. And right when it was testing that 350 was when Morgan Stanley came out and said that their price target is $3. And so it rejected that 350 hard and went all the way back down to 312. And then by the time that it got back up to that 350, you know, we hit 370, but it was so close to the day and the market was getting just shellacked. So, um, you know, we, we decided to put in a safety plan and we said, okay, we decided to put in a plan that if indeed it was a sell the news that we were going to take our 20% in a crappy market in a summer market and call it a day. And that's what we did. And, you know, it sucks. I really did want four plus, but it is what it is. Yeah, and uh, I mean, a lot of people may have played it wrong, but I mean, you've been on it for so long. You let everyone know your average, and you you've been very transparent throughout the whole EVFM process, and I am very appreciative of that. And it was definitely a fun one to play as we got in, even if from two ninety to three ten, even on that last dip, you still saw a good opportunity for fifteen twenty percent gain, and in this market. Uh, you can't take that for granted. And hey, as as we are talking, let me tell you, the XSPA just hit one ninety three. It is it is on the move today. <laughs> yeah, and, and just real, about EVFM, I felt like I was on the on the wrong side of every single time I was trying to flip it. So every time that I was trying to uh, you know lock some gains, I felt like it went higher. And then every time that I felt like it was going to break that three fifty or that three forty five zone, it would bounce back to like the three twenty area. So I mean, I you know. It is what it is. I'll take my gains on it. I really, really wanted it higher, but it is what it is. I'll take the 20% in down market. Okay, cool. So is there any price that you're looking to maybe add in? Uh, let's say, is it 250 275 maybe the three it's at right now? Is there any any spot that you may be looking for to uh, get back in? I know you said you still kind of like it as a as a longer term thing. Yeah, I'm definitely looking for an IRA Roth ad. Um, I would like underneath three. Um, ideally I would like that 290 spot because that seems like really good support. And I, I really think that in the next, you know, in the next six to 12 months that we could see double digits, um, kind of like KTOV, you know, it just kind of was like a slow grinder kind of thing or like rumble, you know, rumble didn't do anything. And then all of a sudden it went like 300%. So I am looking around that 290 area. I'm going to be patient with it because this is my Roth. And we talked about that, that my Roth is more about being smart than anything. So that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, man, for sure about that. So let me, we, we don't do Q&A as much. We've, we've, at, we've answered so many Q&As. I'd look to get into it. We're going to start doing that mainly on the midweek podcast. So, you know, make sure you're emailing them and start it off with podcast questions so it's easier for us to really differentiate. But we do have, I did find this one. I thought it was a really fun question that has both of these involved. So uh, I did want to get both of this in. Big fan of your podcast. Had questions for both of you guys. Dan, what's the best and worst trading advice you've received so far? Hugh, what DD would be in your trading hall of fame, aka can you break down the biggest DD or catalyst you discovered that probably went unnoticed by less experienced traders? Uh, If you want to kind of give your answer first while I kind of sit and think about my worst 
invest uh, info, you know? That's a really good question. I think when I was a younger trader and I was like a senior in high school or something, um, there was this huge blockchain where I found it in the 10 Q. Um, I, I, I really like, this is when I really started to be, to realize that I really liked the research and I found inside their 10 Q completely unmissed. Um, they said that they were going to implement blockchain by like the end of Q3 and, um, and it was like two weeks out from Q3 and you know, a little bit of luck, a little bit of wind in my sails. And I was like, screw it. And I went all in and it ran like 300% when they, when they announced blockchain because like nobody had seen it inside the 10Q except me. And at that time, blockchain was running wild. It was like Corona place. Um, I can look up that ticker. I honestly forget. And then I think one of the most recent was KTOV. Um, <clears throat> I think that we saw the potential starting in March and I think our first ad was like around the 30 cent mark and then it went up to 42 cents. They did a private offering and it like tanked like 30% and then that's when I tripled up and it went to like the 75 cent mark and that was just, that was purely off of the speculation that they had coming. No one else was really on KTOV and um, it, that was purely on on the speculation of the five upcoming catalysts. And that's really, that was one of the things that was like during the time where, you know, Hugh Henney really started to grow. Um, but that one really wasn't picked up. I think I had like 3000 followers at that time. And, um, and I mean, I still look at it from time to time. It, that was like an easy 120 percenter. Um, and I still like KTOV a lot, but that was definitely one that went underneath the radar that that I'm really proud of. All right. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, Ketov, uh, you know, had so many good moves and it was like all over the place. But if you scalped it, man, it was awesome. And even if you just swung it, it was also awesome. And the question for me was, Dan, what's the best and worst trading advice you've received so far? I think when it comes to, like the best advice I've ever received, it, it really is just like staying patient and sticking to your plan. Uh, just the more you can work for it. And, you know, if you if, if you believe in it, you know, it, and you know what you own and you know the swing or you trust whoever told you to buy it and you're doing what you do. I mean, you, you you need to be patient and you can't be too emotional. Like not being an emotional trader, I think is, is one of the best trade like a robot. Don't, don't look back at the other shit. Like what the could have been gains like, yeah, today scon sucks. I could have gained thousands on it, but you know, I don't have it anymore. So it doesn't matter. Uh, when it comes to the worst advice, I, I think there's just so much out there. There's so much to sift through and trying to figure out what, what is good and bad advice. But I think it's like, just when someone tells you like your trading plan doesn't work, like if you're doing something different, I mean like it, shit, it, it might start working. Like if Houston wins a NBA championship this year, no one's going to say small ball is lame anymore. Cause it fucking worked. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's just sticking to what you know and, and doing your, your best at it. And uh, hopefully it fucking just keeps working because it's working now. Yeah, and if uh, I can, can I step in? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say for you, especially, I think I say it all the time, but I don't know how the fuck you make any money um, with your strategy, but, you know, it works. Um, and I think that a lot of people get really confused because um, some experienced traders will say, don't do this and don't do that. And in the beginning, you should definitely listen to what they say. Um, but eventually as you evolve, and this is part of being a trader, as you evolve as a trader and adapt, you should go from, okay, maybe when I first started, uh, you know, there was like a cardinal rule, don't do this. Um, and as you adapt, if it works for you, fuck it, like do it. Like the, 
Dan, your strategy. Yeah, you, you got you to think, like, how many people are like, yo, only play with 40% of your cash. You know, always have 60% or whatever. There's so many times where it's like, you know how much money I wouldn't have made if I would have did that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think it's really important. Like, when you're first starting out, don't try and reinvent the wheel. Like, when you're first trying to start out. But as you evolve as a trader, you know, like, I could never have 40 tickers. Um, but screw it. Like, if it if that works for you... Yeah, like 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 the thing is like there's just so many like with the the best and worst advice like it's so it's so dependent on the trader. Like one thing it was it's weird cuz my the best advice I said received like where I said trade like a robot is from BSS. One of the worst advice I think I've received is when he said don't put more than 10% of your account into one stock. I do that shit all the fucking time. So <laughs> Like, like, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, that's bad advice. He is clearly a much more experienced trader than I am, but, uh, that, that didn't work for me. So for me personally, that advice wasn't going to help. Yeah. I think that's a really good point is that like, you know, if you're just, just when you're starting out, yes, you should have super strict rules and you should totally follow what like BSS says, because he's one of the most experienced guys we, we know. And then as you evolve, you know, maybe try a little different. Now, it doesn't mean train, change your entire strategy, but maybe change a variable. For me, it was less tickers and higher percentage because I had a, I knew, I knew that I had a high win rate. So I said, okay, why am I just going to keep, you know, little cash when I have a high win rate? So I took more risk and more, you know, equity and more shares. And that was the game changer for me. And for you, what was it? It was taking more, more companies and just learning the personalities. Yep, just learn the personalities and and plan it like it was, uh, and and you, so I mean it really is just find out and and like I said, it's not even just like find someone you trust. You can find someone you trust, and and their advice may just not work for you, and so I mean you, you just got to find what works. Like I I admire everything Hugh says, but at the same time I I'm not good at swing trading. I just don't have it for it, and it's just like you know it's just one of those things, but. Uh, I think before we get into the pre-options thing, there was this thing I used to do on Twitter called tickers as college girls. So I did want to kind of bring this back. I think two we can start off with are SCON and EVFM. I kind of got this idea because someone said uh, EVFM reminded me of the uh, uh, gender reveal that ended up causing a forest fire. That did that, uh, that made me chuckle. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Uh, and so with that being said, I think mine for today is going to be Scon as it ran right after I ditched her last week is kind of like the, uh, it's kind of like the girl you, you were dating in high school and then, uh, you know, you got into a better college or you may have even gotten to the same college, but you're like, you know what? It's time for the ladies. Now it's time to be a pimp. So you ditch her and like you see her on that first week of college and damn, she is banging Instagram model and she's rich first day of college. So that's what it was like for me. Uh, do you have any for EVFM? For EVFM? I think EVFM is the girl that you thought you were going to marry and you were like, wow, on paper, she checks every box. She's perfect. She doesn't want to spend all my money. She's beautiful. She has a great smile. And then, um, and then you just find out that she is has an OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was gonna say you just find out that like 
like you guys just don't work together when you live together. Like she, she brushes her teeth and like the spit goes everywhere. Oh, that's just the worst. Or like she chews loud. Oh my God. You know what I mean? So like she checks all the boxes on paper. Then you marry her and yeah, you move you, in on, together. On Tinder and Instagram, you're like, this chick is perfect. And then, yeah, it just ruined. Yeah, exactly. Like you're expecting this same thing. And then she has like a high pitched voice. Yeah, yeah, dude, I understand that. But hey, dude, on the bright side, we did get a little something, something out of her. So yeah, because we did get I, a little uh, something, something. I, I emptied her bank account while she was sleeping. Um, <laughs> not her whole bank account, only like fifteen to twenty percent. Uh, I didn't want to, you know, screw over too bad. Um, okay, so this part right here, we do have a very hardcore educational podcast coming out during the weekend. That bitch is going to be on options, okay? Trading options, puts, calls, millions of dollar trades, Wall Street bets, <laughs> the whole thing, making you guys millionaires tomorrow. One after day. After Sunday. So $100 look, to a million. <laughs> yep, one trade. In, in one trade, dude. And that's how we're going to do it. So look, but before that, we don't want to have to get you guys going in and reading all the stuff on all this the the options jargon. So I told Hugh, you he's go tell him what the options jargon is beforehand. So Hugh, what's the options jargon that they need to know before next week's episode? Yeah. So and I think it's really important first, I want to make sure that everyone understands why the hell I'm doing this episode because I literally you guys have been asking for this for what, 5 weeks and I said no freaking way the risk to reward is not there, especially for newer traders. The The underlying risk is just absurd and it's not worth it is that someone's going to listen to the podcast. I'm going to give them a few tips and they're going to go and blow up their account. And then I saw on Twitter a fucking idiot saying his exact words. If you think it's going to go up by a call, if you think it's going to go down by a put and if it expires on you, well, oh, well, we'll just move on. That's that, yeah, you just lose all of your money. So I want I want everyone to understand that I'm doing this podcast because one, I want everyone to understand the underlying risk and that you guys want to learn the basics, fine. I'll teach you the basics, but it, I, I'm going to put an emphasis on the underlying risk and how much it goes into it. That even though Apple goes up 3%, that the underlying decay and, and the, the Greeks, there's just so much that goes into it. And, and I... And if you're going to try it out, I'd rather you try it out with us and knowing at least the basics before you try it. So with that being yeah, said, make sure that you do everything we say so we can pump it up and sell it on you guys. No, oh, yeah, kidding. yeah. That's the other thing. That's, that's, <laughs> the, the, I yeah, like, that's, that's actually the only reason we're doing this. Yeah. Open <laughs> interest on Apple. But if I tell you to go buy an option on my option on Apple, I'm going to affect the market. It fucking yep. idiot. Um, <laughs> I, I can't, dude. I, that's why it's all, I, I'm not even going to go into it. But so, and then let me be, let me be clear. So Sunday, we're going to go into Sunday. I want to jump right into it. And I don't want to be having to answer questions on Twitter about what a call is, what a put is, what the strike price is. So we decided to do this episode so that you guys could at least learn a little bit before so that when I start talking about the strike price and the underlying decay and the Greeks, that you guys at least have a little foundation. And hopefully going into Sunday, you know, you can take good notes and you can, you know, hit the ground running at, uh, on learning this stuff. All right. So let's let's get right into it, huh? Yeah. So I'm going to kind of give the definitions and then we'll go into it a little bit about what that really means. 
So an option is a contract giving the buyer the right, but not the obligation to buy in the case of a call or sell in the case of a put the underlying asset at a specific price on or before a certain date. Okay. So that's what, that's the definition of an option. Okay. So that basically, don't make no sense to me, Hugh. <laughs> yeah. So the option, so we, what we call options is contracts. Okay. And basically a call, the idiot on Twitter that talked about buying puts in calls. Okay. He did have it right that if you want, if you think the stock is going to go up, you're going to buy a call. If you think the stock is going to go down, you would buy a put. Now, um, that that's is where the true. correctness of his statement ended. That yeah yeah exactly that's where it ends. Um, so then, uh, an option contract typically represents a hundred shares. So if you're buying one contract, you're buying you're basically buying a hundred. The underlying contract is basically a hundred shares. So if I buy one Tesla contract, I'm basically buying the obligation to a hundred shares. And and yeah, that's that's what that's what it is. So if I buy ten contracts, I'm buying basically a thousand shares. But okay. Hugh, I can't afford a thousand Tesla shares. Yeah, well, that if you were exercising the option, but we'll get into that more oh. on Sunday. Yeah. So, um, so first we'll go into this. A call option gives the holder a right to buy the stock, and a put option gives the holder uh, the right to sell a stock. So again, call option, you think that's going to go up. A put option is basically like shorting the stock. Okay. So when we talk about calls and puts, puts you're hoping it goes down calls you're hoping it goes up. Um, and then think of a call option as basically a down payment for a future per purchase. Because remember, each contract represents 100 underlying shares. So next we have the strike price. So when you buy a contract, you're always going to choose a strike price. And the strike price is the price fixed by the seller of a security after receiving bids in a tender offer, typically for a sale of bond or a new stock market issue. That's the definition. Basically, when someone writes an option, they're going to pick a strike price, okay? So if it's a large cap, they usually have strike prices that are pretty close together, whether it be 270, so like Tesla would be 270, 275, um, uh, you know, 280, you know, usually goes like increments like that. Um, and so the strike price is basically um, where the price can be exercised. So if I so if Tesla's at 200 and my strike price for a call is 225, if it goes and say the expiration date is tomorrow, if it gets to 227, then I can exercise that at that price. But if not and I hold the option through tomorrow, then the option will expire and I'll lose all the money. Okay? So that's really important the strike price. Okay, the strike price is super important. Now, you the other thing that you guys have to know is that you don't have to hold the option through through the expiration. You can trade a lot of people, and me included, trade what's called the premium. And so if I'm buying one contract for one dollar, then I have one dollar worth of premium. If it goes up to two dollars, then I can sell it for two dollars and make a hundred percent gain. So I think that that's really important is that you're not buying the contract or you can, but most people don't buy the contract 
before the expiration date. They're usually trading the premium. And that's where you can get caught because if the premium, because as we get closer to the expiration date, we start getting into the Greeks and that affects the price of the option, which doesn't affect the underlying price of the stock. And then that's when, you know, your option today could be worth $20 and then you wake up tomorrow and it'd be worth $17 and the price of the stock not even move. And that's what, what I really want to hammer into your heads on Sunday. Um, is that the under is that the price of the option can move without the underlying price of the stock moving, and so then your option can be worth a lot less with the stock price not even having to move. Um, so that's really important to me, and I want you guys to understand that. And we'll get more into that on Sunday, like I said. So then we have open interest, and so the definition for open interest. Um, is open interest indicates the total number of option contracts that are currently out in the market. These are contracts that have been traded but not yet liquidated by an offsetting trade. So that so open interest is really important because we want to know how many contracts there are currently on the street. Okay, you want a higher open interest. Okay. Then we have implied volatility. Implied volatility represents the expected volatility of a stock over the life of the option. So really, this implied volatility gives like market expectations, um, you know, demand for the option, you know, as the option diminishes. And then implied, you know, as, as we get closer to the expiration, implied volatility will decrease. And then the options containing lower levels of implied volatility will result in cheaper option prices. That's what we were talking about was that, you know, like I said, today that Tesla option could be worth $20 and you wake up tomorrow. And if you have weekly options, it could be worth 18 without even the stock price moving. And then we have our Greeks finally. Okay. And this is a lot of people, this is where a lot of people start to get lost. And basically what I'm going to do is that we're not going to go into this too much today. Okay. I'm just going to give you what I pay attention to. And hopefully you guys can learn a little bit before Sunday. And then Sunday we'll really go into more detail. So there are five different Greeks. You have the Delta, the Gamma, the Theta, the Vega, and the Rho. Okay. What I like to pay attention to is, and we'll go down the list, is Delta. So the Delta gauges the likelihood that an option you're considering will expire in the money. Okay. So just let me say that again. The Delta is the likelihood that an option you're considering will expire in the money. So the Delta is always changing. Okay. Understand that. We just did Delta. Now we have Gamma. Okay. And Gamma is what I pay attention to as well, but you have to know what Delta is to know what Gamma is. And Gamma is how much the Delta will change when the stock price changes. Okay, so if you don't know Delta, you're not going to know how to use Gamma. Okay, and this is what confuses a lot of people. Okay, next that I pay attention to is Theta. These are like my big three, Delta, Gamma, Theta. Okay, and then Theta is you get a feel for how much value your option might lose each day as it approaches expiration. So like I said, okay, Theta is really important because you'll hear a lot of option guys talks about Theta Decay. And that's if you're a short-term options trader, yes, there's a lot of volume and there's a lot of volatility inside, you know, the weekly expirations. But, and this is one of the reasons I don't really hold options overnight and I scalp them is because the theta decay, how much value are you, is your option going to lose night overnight, okay? Dude, back in college, uh, we called theta decay something different. It's whenever you hooked <laughs> up with a, uh, a theta and your dick started to, uh, it, it started to fall off. 
<laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the same thing. Is that you know how you know you're playing Russian roulette? How how much is your twenty dollar option going to be worth tomorrow? You know you don't know. Uh, well, I mean, well, you know that's what data tells you. Okay, and then see so you have <laughs> Vega. Uh, okay, and you're going to understand how sensitive an option might be to large price swings. Okay, so that's what Vega is. Again, Vega and Rho, I don't pay attention to as much as Delta, Gamma, Theta. Okay, so again, Vega and Rho, I use, but I just, I kind of use them like I would RSI, okay, for, for penny penny stocks, is that I use them, I like to look at them, but I don't use them as much as Delta and Gamma and Theta. Okay, so again, Vega is how sensitive an option might be to large price swings. Okay, again, I don't hold options overnight most of the time, so I'm not really paying attention to what the Vega is because I'm not expecting a huge price fluctuation. Okay, and then finally, Rho. And Rho simulates the effect of interest rate changes on an option. So again, because I don't hold them overnight and I'm more of a day trader in short-term options, I'm not really paying attention to Rho or Vega. Again, Vega being large fluctuations in the price and Rho being the effect of interest rate changes. So yeah, so that's five Greeks. Um, like I said, I will go really more detail on Sunday about Delta, Theta, and Gamma. And that's because that's what I use as a short-term options trader. And we'll still go into Vega and Rho, but that's more for, you know, if you were swinging options. And so I hope that you guys really, you know, you guys can take these notes Go into Sunday, you know, knowing what we just talked about so that we can hit the ground running on Sunday and you guys can really understand some of the basics because options are a tricky thing and can be complex to understand. And, you know, I don't want you guys to buy an option and the next day it'd be down 30% and the price of the stock not even move because that's when that's when you'll realize that options suck or not that they suck, but that they're really complex and hard. And so I at least want to under, I at least want you guys to understand how they move and why they move. Okay, perfect. So now if that doesn't get you excited for the options podcast, I have no clue what will. We will see you guys Sunday. Make sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes and we will see you later.